Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are the Rays ever going to score a run again? Isn't this where we left off last year in the postseason? It's been now 19 straight innings without a run. What the hell's wrong with the Rays, man? I feel bad saying it, Steve, but it's true. Uh, it's true, although they faced you know a much better team tonight and good pitching. Uh, the last yes, two nights, really, world um, champions. You know, and, and the shame of tonight. We'll get into this later, but you pitched Colin Foch, Cal, uh, Calvin Fauche, mm-hmm. Josh Fleming, and Birdie, and you gave up one run to Houston <laughs> and couldn't win. And they didn't win. You'll never get that performance again from those three guys on the mound. I got news for you, man. You don't win this one. They gave up one, and not even a solid one. They had had some help giving up that run. Yeah, I mean, two wild pitches by Fauche, and then uh, Wander Franco in error, although I'm not sure you could have got the double play on that. So True. uh, It ends up being an earned run. I did not have the two wild pitches. You'd have been fine. but, But still, you gave up one run to Houston with those pitchers. And you couldn't win. That's that's a little disappointing, but well, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about these races. As uh, Robert Kennedy once said, it's on to Chicago and let's win there. They're going back to uh, to play the White Sox, who are really struggling scoring runs as well as the Rays are of late. Anyway, two straight losses at home after fourteen in a row, which is just incredible. Fourteen wins in a row, I should say. All right, so um, I wanted to remind you guys that uh, yesterday we did a little bonus podcast. That's right. We do those. We're working overtime. (laughs) Yeah, man. We're doing this for you. And I would highly recommend this because uh, we had a chance to talk to Trent Cooper um, of the NFL uh, 360. And um, he has – he's a showrunner there. He has produced this latest documentary about Chase and Sidney Brown – if that name sounds familiar, it should. They played high school uh, ball at a, at a prep school uh, in Bradenton. Um, and it's it's an incredible documentary that aired, I guess, uh, would have been Wednesday night on NFL Network. And you can also get it. Uh, it's, it's streaming um, as well uh, at this point. But these, these guys were raised by a single mom in Canada. Um made their way to Bradenton, uh, St. Stephen's, uh, and, and it ended up um, being just in, an incredibly gifting, uh, inc- incredible story about family and, and what family is. And, and it's not necessarily as we always think about it. You know, they, they had some, some parents that sponsored them down there while they were in Bradenton. Long story short, and you have to watch this documentary, um, the two kids have excelled their whole lives at everything in supporting their mom. In, uh, they were way behind academically. They caught up. They ended up at Illinois. They were stars there. And now they're going to enter the NFL draft today. And, yes, both players, um, Sydney, who is a safety, and Chase Brown, who is a running back, were part of the top 30 visits 
for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Think Rondé and Tiki Barber, very similar in that aspect. But um, it's a great documentary. Check it out. We had it uh, up on the you know the podcast yesterday as sort of a bonus. But um, make sure you check that out. All right, so we're going to get into the National Football League draft. It starts today, and we will be, I'll be at one buck place to to bring all of that. First, I want to tell you guys how to save money on your electric bill quickly. Been doing this for a while. It's called May Electric Solar. Local-owned company, they've been installing solar electric systems now in the Tampa Bay area for 13 years. A lot of these companies are fly-by-night, but May Electric guarantees their work with a 30-year labor and service warranty, plus with every installation, you get $750 in surge protection for all your appliances. That's what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. You can see exactly what they're going to install to fit your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So all those guys up there on the roof doing those solar panels, those are Billy Mays guys. You know who's going to do the job, and that's important. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can get a free estimate and start protecting those appliances and saving money on your electric bill. That's May Electric Solar at 727-719-2862. All right, it's the NFL draft, and the Bucks pick 19th or so we think to start the draft. I spent some time um, kind of digging into this. This is not scientific or anything and i think most people will sort of go uh no kidding when we come to this conclusion but you know at the end of the day the bucks have two rather glaring needs and the first one is is the offensive line offensive tackle in particular you know a year ago tom brady was his own best protector right his quick release, his aversion to contact. He's 45 years old. He wasn't going to take hits. They actually held opponents to just 22 sacks, fewest in the NFL. Boy, you want to talk about a misleading a misleading statistic? That's it. Because typically you would say, whoa, well, this offensive line must be really good. They only got Brady sacked 22 times, best in the league. It could have been 52. Hell, it could have been 62. But he got the ball off so quick that he wasn't going to stand back there and take those hits. Worse than that, we knew how bad they were in rushing the football, last in rushing yards, attempts, yards per per rush. And it's true that, you know, they didn't have Ryan Jensen. They didn't have um, – he got hurt, you know, what, the second day of training camp. Um, and since the season ended, Donovan Smith, who was pretty much washed up, he's been released. Luke Gedeke, who was a right tackle, tackle at Central Michigan – I think he was really misplaced when they tried to move him to left guard. He struggled mightily, eventually got benched. And Shaq Mason, who played all year at guard, they thought so much of him, they traded him to the Texans in the offseason. So I think if you were ranking the Bucks' needs, and everybody says, well, you draft the best player available, but what they always mean is you draft the best player available at your biggest need. It's offensive tackle, Okay. Uh, and, and I think the Bucks are in agreement with that. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to fall that way. This is very similar to 2020, to be honest with you, when there were about four tackles that went early in the first round. Remember, Andrew Thomas was first. He went to the Giants. Then Jedrick Wills went to the Browns. 
Mackay Becton, who was a really good player, went to the Jets. They were all gone by the first 11 selections. And so really since pick five that year, Jason Light was on the phone trying desperately to trade up from number 14 so where he could get one of those tackles. And the last one left, last one standing, none other than Tristan Wirfs, who probably, I think no doubt, actually, is was the best of the four. And so they swung a deal with San Francisco, moved up one spot, and they got Wirfs. Um, and I think that's sort of similar to what we have this year in that there's probably maybe five offensive tackles that could go in the first round. I think it starts with Paris Johnson from Ohio State. Um, Peter Skronsky is is from Northwestern. He could be a guard. He has, some, he has short arms. Uh, he played tackle, obviously, uh, you know, at Northwestern. You have Broderick Jones from Georgia. Um, Tennessee's Darnell Wright. And then finally, um, a couple of guys. Uh, well, Oklahoma's Anton Harrison would be the last one. Wright and Harrison were part of that top 30 visit that the Bucks had as well. So it just all depends on how, how it falls, right? Like the Bucks have to hope that a lot of those quarterbacks, there's probably four anyway, to go in the first round, that they all go before pick 19 to kind of push some good players down, especially in the position of need. Um, they could line up tomorrow and play Luke Gedeke at right tackle and play worse at left tackle. They'd be okay. They signed um, Matt uh, Feeler to a one-year deal out from the Chargers. He can play guard or tackle if he needs to. If they're not going to get an offensive tackle, and I think, again, in fact, I know, they consider that their biggest need. The other one is an edge rusher. And, again, when you when you talk about the NFL, the value of if you're not getting a quarterback, right, like that's obviously the highest value pick. But if you're not going to get a quarterback, you need someone to protect him and someone to affect them, right? So you want to protect them with an offensive lineman, typically a left guard or left tackle, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Or you want someone who can come off the edge and, and create pressure for you against the opposing quarterback. That's their second biggest need. And you could say 1-1-A, it doesn't really matter. Those are the two areas where the Bucks need to address and need to address it now. And so they're hopeful that one of those players they have graded with first-round grade is still there at one of those positions. Um, I think if you look at the Bucks and their sort of their their, their pack, pressure packages, um, you know, last year Vita Vea led the team in sacks with six and a half. He's an interior defensive lineman. That's awesome for Vita Vea. That's horrible <laughs> for the Bucks because you don't unless you got a Warren Sapp on your team. You never expect the defensive tackle to lead the team in sacks, nor do you want him to. So what's happened? Okay, remember they had JPP in the Super Bowl defense, Shaq Barrett. Well, Shaq Barrett tore his Achilles a year ago. You know, he's going to be, what, like 32, 33 years old, and now he's coming off that injury, which is significant when when your get-off, when your push-off is really what separates you from other guys. So they don't know what they got. And then on the other side, you have Joe Tryon Shawinka, who was their first round pick in 2021, you know, kind of played sparingly at different positions as a rookie. Okay, at four sacks, like, all right, it was given the job this year as a left outside linebacker, went through the whole season as a starter, and still only had four sacks. 
So the production at that position just simply hasn't been there. And they've had a number of guys visit them from the defensive uh, outside linebacker position or edge rush position. And I I don't know if they're going to be able to trade up, to be honest with you, because at 19, it takes a lot of capital to get, say, in the top 10. And I think this guy is going to go in the top 10. One of the guys, probably the best player they've had in here at the outside edge rusher position is is Nolan Smith out of Georgia. Looks like a top 10 pick. I, I don't think he gets in the range where the Bucks could entertain or give up enough to trade up to him. Um, but there's others, right? Um, you've got Iowa's Luca, Lucas Van Ness. He's one of the top 30 visits. Um, I'm going to butcher this name, but Kansas State, Felix Enundike uh, Osama. Um, he's also visited Iowa State's Will McDonald. He's a guy that's been here on 30 for 30. And the, and the player that will be in range for them, I think, and maybe they could even trade back perhaps and still get him, is the kid from LSU, B.J. Ojolari. And if you look at the Bucks' history, they've had a lot of success with LSU players, especially on defense, right? Whether you're talking about Devin White, Quan Alexander, um, you know, Kevin Minter was from there. I mean, there's there's been some pretty good players come out of LSU with a mentality so, I don't know, Steve. I, I think that those are the two main positions. Like, anything can happen. Other great players can be pushed down. But when teams say they're going to take the, the, the highest guy on their board, they almost always mean the guy who has the highest grade at a position of need. It's it's almost always a position of need. Mm-hmm. Unless so there's the just someone pick. that's rare. But let me ask you this question. Yeah. Because I have no question that the, the lines are the two biggest needs in this team. And yep. I think that's what they'd like to do with their first pick. Mm-hmm. What if one of those quarterbacks drops to 19? Great question. Because there's been some uh, mock drafts that have you got Will Levis mm-hmm. going anywhere from 1 to 19. Actually, I've seen him as low as 22 or 23 <laughs> at this point. Uh, I know. And, but what yeah. if the quarterbacks don't go as expected? That it's well, only two or three taken in the top 10, not four or five. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, which means at that point. Maybe more of the offensive tackles or the defensive linemen are taken off the board. Or gone, yeah. You know, if a Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson yeah. is there at 19. Yeah. And and, let's, and, and look, and, and, and look if, if all their offensive line or defensive line guys are taken, then it's almost a, it could be a no-brainer almost. But mm-hmm. what if there's one of the offensive linemen out there? Or defensive, I mean, you know, what do the Bucks do at that point? It's a great question. It's something that I've tried to dig and find out, and here's what I think I think is Peter King would say. I think the Bucks like their quarterbacks better than other people like their current quarterbacks. We've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, five years of Jameis Winston. No, 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 no. We'll I'm talking offensive line last year. Oh, well, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Good point. They kept yeah, telling us they liked it better than we did. That's almost a quote. You're right. Exactly. I think Jason Light might have said that. Um, verbatim, you're right. I would be, listen, if I'm a Bucks fan, am I like, oh, we're okay at quarterback. We're good there. First of all, no one's going to come in here and be Tom Brady. Okay. No one. And so that era is over. So, well, the quarterback's a position of need. It just not be, may be a position of need this year. This year, but 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 it's the most important position mm-hmm. in football. And 
what I would say is two things. One, no matter how much you like a Baker Mayfield, the reality is is that even if he knocks it out of the park, he's a free agent. He's an unrestricted free agent after this year. He could put himself out there to the highest bidder and say, I'm available. Now, he's been with four teams since last July, and I'm not naive. If he were to have success here, I think he would want to stay in the same system, the same offense, the same town, all of that. He would want stability. He wouldn't be looking for his fifth team. But the fact is, you don't control his fate. He controls it. Um, If Kyle Trask doesn't win the starting job, he's coming back for his fourth and final year as a former second-round pick as no better than a backup quarterback, right? So he's not your future, basically, is what you're saying. So what's wrong if one of those players were to fall, whether it's Will Levis and um, or Hendon, Hendon Hooker, who both of whom were part of the 30 visits that the Bucks had, saying, you know what, we may not need you this year, but we really don't know what's going to happen with these two, right? Typically, okay, in the NFL, when you live in this neighborhood, and God knows the Bucks have lived here for years and years and years, but when you're in this, you're kind of like where Carolina was. In fact, you're exactly where Carolina was a year ago because they had Baker Mayfield, remember? They made the deal uh, and with Cleveland, and he went there, and they had you know Sam Darnold and and some other quarterbacks, and they kind of went back and forth. It didn't work out, and so PJ Walker, I think, was quarterback. So you're like everybody still searching, right? You, you don't have the young guy, you don't have the old. It's a it's a terrible place to be in the league. Now every now and then a Geno Smith arrives, right? Guy that didn't work out someplace was written off, but as he said, I didn't write back. That could be Baker this year. Um, or maybe Kyle Trask, who's only attempted nine passes in his career. The light bulb goes off, and and he does what he did at Florida after sitting on the pine for two seasons. He's, he goes in and lights it up. They say they like both guys. Um, I will tell you this. While both those, Hooker and, and Levis, came in, the information that I have, the latest information is they like Mayfield and Trask better than any of those quarterbacks in the draft. Now, I can't believe they like him better than Chase Young, but that's what I've been told, is that Mayfield was a first overall pick. They did their work on him when he came out in the draft. They know what he went through in Cleveland. They know what last year was all about. They think he has moxie, especially um, Bruce Arians, who looked at him Two years ago, because they didn't think Tom, they thought Tom Brady was retired then. Um, and so, if your evaluation says to you, "Look, the guys we have, including Trask, are better than the four guys in the draft that are, or six guys that might fall to us," then I don't think you take a quarterback. Because why? Todd Bowles has to win this year. Um, you have to give him that chance. Your team is more than just a quarterback who won't play till next season away. If it doesn't work out and you completely, it goes south, you're probably going to be in range to draft a quarterback a year from now. I don't personally think it's the worst idea. If you think that Hooker is a, is a tremendous talent and, and you don't have the pressure to play him and with a year or two developing, he's going to be Patrick Mahomes or something, then by all means, draft that guy. But if you're not sure, if you don't think they're better than what's on your roster – and that's the, the message I'm getting, by the way. They did their homework. They looked at the two guys they thought might still be there, even at around 19. And I just don't believe that they're going to go that direction.
You know, I I think that they would either take a player at another position or, you know, be gleeful that uh, some team that is quarterback needy that thinks that they're better than what they have jumps up and grabs them and gives them some draft pick compensation to allow them to do that at 19 or 18 or whatever's within range. So my best information is while they did have these guys in, may have even liked what they saw, I don't think either one of these quarterbacks are going to end up Buccaneers. And I think it's because they believe, right or wrong, that the two guys they have are better than either one of those players. Um, We'll see if that ends up being the case. But I think that's what they believe. All right, so it should be an interesting first round. Of course, they just have the one pick at 19. By the way, Jason Light has made a trade in every single draft he's participated in. He's never given away more than a fifth-round pick. He has moved up nine times. He has moved down four times, I believe. Um, so it could go any place, or obviously could stay at 19 and pick. Uh, the last number 19 pick they had, they had traded down to get it. Uh, was with Buffalo. They traded with Buffalo, and, and I think Buffalo took a really good quarterback in Josh Allen. And the Bucks, uh, I think, traded back and took tight end O.J. Howard. So that didn't work out so well. But we'll see what they're able to do with uh, with this first round anyway. And, of course, day two is rounds two and three. And then finally on Saturday, it'll be four through seven. The Bucks don't have a seventh-round pick. I think they have a couple in the sixth round. So we'll follow all of that on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Back to the race real quick. <sighs> It was bound to happen. They were bound to lose again and lose at home, and they lost to a very worthy opponent. I mean, defending world champions who find different ways to win. But it's interesting how, and and look, nothing like a trip to Chicago against the White Sox who can't score themselves can make you feel whole. They just, you know, before the Houston series, they just got done sweeping the Chicago White Sox. However... Anything to you, Steve, say, uh-huh, uh-huh, against a team with pedigree like Houston, with good pitching like Houston, and, and the Rays obviously pitched well to lose one nothing. This this looked an awful lot like the postseason to me. It did, and you were facing a good team, and, you, you know, you weren't going to keep putting up eight runs a game. No, impossible. No, you'd like not to get shut out in back-to-back games at home. And have two hits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Manny Margot with both of them. It almost had a one in both. the ninth as well. Really yeah, good play by Jeremy Pena there. Mm-hmm. Not not ideal, not what you want, but you put it in perspective. And let's you know always talk about process over outcome. We do that with the Lightning a lot. Mm-hmm. You got great pitch. Josh Fleming had a horrible first outing. His last four yes, outings have been fantastic. He's been stellar. Yeah, and he was. Don't really start him though. Don't start no, the game. No. Calvin Roche, if you didn't give up the two wild pitches, maybe it's zero zero and you're going to extras. That's a good point. Yeah. At that point, um, you know, so there were so, there were some good things. Uh, there were mm-hmm. some good defensive plays tonight as well. They just didn't mm-hmm. hit yeah. against a really good pitcher, uh, and, and you know yeah. he's one of their top prospects. I mean, uh, you know, unfortunately, you kind of got the back end of their bullpen the last two days, but those pitchers are really good. Yeah. Like these are future stars and their future, you know, top of their rotation guys. They're just young guys yeah. now. Which the, yeah. the Rays always have issues with young guys. It's amazing the first time they face young guys. 
just seems mm-hmm. like they 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 always struggle. Um, but you know the other the other part about the perspective is they're twenty and five. <laughs> is that any good? It's just yeah, a little I bit. Know. A little bit. I know. A little bit. But so. but two in a row, man. They've lost two well, in a row. It's a go streak. to Chicago. Go to Chicago and beat up on the teams you're supposed to beat up on, and everything yeah, will be fine sure. again. I mean, and you just beat yeah. up on Chicago last weekend. You did, and they're struggling like crazy. They can't mm-hmm. score at all. No. Um, so now it's, it's going to be a little cold up there. So that may affect yeah. the race some too. True. Yeah, but you got Shane McClanahan, your ace on the mound tonight. Well, and that's listen. Is and, and you're right. They pitched well enough to win. You give up one run, you should win those games. But McClanahan has just kind of been that guy, right, that turns, stops losing streaks, and they haven't had many. Obviously, they've only lost, what, four or five games. But you feel good every time he takes the hill. He's going to give you five-plus, going to strike out, you know, eight or nine. Like, he's going to keep you in the ball game. It's just whether or not they get the bats going again, and they will. No one can stay as hot as they have been. I mean, you look at the home runs. You look at every statistic that they have been at the top of the major leagues you know, through the first, what, 20, 25 games or so, um, it's it's it, it, it's unsustainable. I mean, you cannot, the law of averages, you know, with mm-hmm. baseball being a failure sport, seven out of ten times at the plate and they call you the greatest player of all time if you do that, it was, it was inevitable that they would cool down uh, with good pitching. And that's the thing. Even with the race, good pitching will always trump. If you're on, if you're throwing the ball where you want to, changing speeds, you know, pitching the way that the Astros have been able to do the last couple of nights, you're gonna you're gonna beat a team that hits the ball. You just are. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitching and defense is gonna win out, and so they, they, that's kind of what went on. But if anything, um, the disappointing part of this series was Drew Rasmussen. That's true. You know, I mean, yeah. every, everything else about the series, I mean, the hitting, yes, but like you said, I mean, you're going to have those nights where you just face good pitchers. Right. You know, Rasmussen didn't have his best stuff on Tuesday night. He got hit hard, and he gave up yeah. five in one run, one inning, right? Yeah, and he didn't make it through the fifth inning. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if, if, if there's anything to be disappointed in in, in, sure. in the series, it was, it was just Drew didn't have his best stuff, and you hope that, when, you know, when he pitches next, he'll be better. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, okay, the bats went cold for two games. Let's see what they do in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we know that great pitching can nullify hitting. Always. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've seen that it's tried and true through the history of baseball. Hmm. So, you know, let's see what the bats do this weekend. But otherwise, the pitching outside of Drew Rasmussen was fine in the series. It gets a really good lineup. Granted, they're missing. Jordan Alvarez isn't there, and Altuve's out right now, but yeah, still but a very thick run. lineup. Still I mean, a thick yeah, lineup. You'll take yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, shoot. You know, that's that's stellar to go out there and, and limit a team. And like you said, they they may not have scored any, um, if not for some from, from bad plays or, or breaks. So I don't I don't have a problem. It it will always this is always going to be sort of like the the Rays lament, right? Like even with these offensive numbers as gaudy as they are. There's always going to be Rays fan who is they could get all the way win the American League East, they can get to the playoffs, and everybody is still when they get in the postseason going to go, yeah, but can they hit? You know what I mean? It was kind of like, well, it's exactly like we've the, talked about for the Lightning. That's what I was going to say. It's just it's exactly like the Lightning because they they went ahead and they 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 had the you know historic season and the you know tied for the most points in NHL history. 
and they go to Columbus and they get swept. And from that moment on, nothing mattered except what they did in the postseason, right? That's that's against everything they're going to be judged by. And the Rays are there now. Like the Rays have been to the postseason enough, lost the World Series, obviously, but have come back, won the division, all of that. And everything they're doing now is going to set them up, you would think, for a postseason. But until they get there, that's the only thing that people are going to judge them on now. This is all a great story and, and, and you know, they're, they're at a historic pace and all of that. And maybe they'll turn out being, you know, the 84 Tigers. I don't know. But until they get to the postseason and get it done, all of this is, is a great story. But that's when the rubber's going to meet the road, not, not before. And so everybody's always going to kind of have these doubts in the back of their mind like, yeah, I don't think against the better pitching they're going to hit. You know, or, yeah, here they go. They're not going to score runs. So, again, I think what they're doing, historic, unbelievable. Clearly, it's not a fluke. It's too many games into the season now. You know they're a special ball club. But you got to see it in the postseason. We're a long way from October. (laughs) We are, but it's also a compliment to this team. I mean, instead of being the Rays where you're just hoping they make the playoffs, now you're expecting it's World it. Series, baby. Yeah. Now yeah. they've got enough talent in this team where you expect it. Whether it's the mm-hmm. pitching and, and McClanahan and Glass now and yeah. Springs. Well, right. Springs is hurt now, but Rasmussen and and then you know mm-hmm. Fairbanks and Jason Adam on the back end, Taj. And things like that. Yeah. Taj Bradley in the future, or the yeah. hitting. I mean, you've got superstars in Wander Franco and Randy Rosarina. Unquestionable. You've, you've yeah. got some tremendous players around them. Where you start talking Manny Margot and Jose Siri and. And Brendan Lau and Yandy Diaz mm-hmm. and, and Josh Lowe, yeah, yeah and Josh Lowe. You think in good pieces like Christian Bethencourt and Francisco Mejia. Mm-hmm. Around. I mean, you're getting to the point now where it's not how are they putting this together? How are they getting there? It's they have the talent now. They have it now. Mm-hmm. They've got to put it together in the postseason. And you know, in 2020, they made it all the way to the World Series. Mm-hmm. The last two postseasons have been a little bit disappointing as far as how quickly right. they exit. So, you know, but. Now it's not the, well, how did they get here, how they do this. It's they've got the talent to do it. Right. And, and at this point, it's can they do it in the, in the postseason? And it's a lot can like what the it? Lightning went through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think they learned from those early experiences, and I think they made some changes. And, um, you know, each playoff is its own animal. And then, you know, eventually if you get back enough, and this is always Tony Dungy's theory, is like, like give me the team that's going to be a contender every year. That's what I want to be because I know if I keep coming back, uh, eventually I'm going to break through. Eventually we're going to win the big games and, and get to the Super Bowl and win it all. And I think that's the way the Rays are is like just keep coming, you know, just keep going back uh, and getting better each year. And, and that's sort of what they've done. I mean, this ball club has has taken up, and you're right, legitimate superstars in Franco and Rosarena and uh, a lot of good hitters in that lineup. If Lau can stay healthy, health is going to determine a lot of this offensively. Um, but yeah, no shame in losing to the world champions. Just a shame that you you know did it in a night where your your pitching really stood up and allowed only the one run. So that was disappointing. So we'll see what they can do with the White Sox. Meanwhile, it's a pretty big game in Toronto, an elimination game for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, ah, I don't know, Steve. I'm not in the prediction business. It doesn't feel like the Lightning are done yet to me. I think that that they're resilient enough and and have enough experience to know they don't have to win three games tonight 
they just have to win tonight. And they've played well enough to win the last two games. If they do that and they play well and get out to a good start, there's going to be nervousness in that building. The players are going to feel it. Toronto's history is what it is. I just feel like this series is not going to end um, after, you know, what, five five games. Well, if you take the, the, the cues from last year, they faced mm-hmm. an elimination game. That wasn't 3-1. It was 3-2. Correct. And that game was going to be at home. This one is on the road mm-hmm. because it's the fifth game. Right. But, I mean, against this same Toronto team, although there's some players different, but against Toronto, they got down in that game and came back and won. 2 nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it's the only overtime game. Uh, the that, last one they've won. won in, 10, yeah. in their last 10 overtime games in the postseason, that's the game they won. It was Braden Point scoring in game six at Amelie Arena. Incredible, yeah. You know, so, you know, have they gone through this situation of having an elimination game against Toronto before? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do they still have Andre Vasilevsky in net, even though maybe he hasn't played up to to most people's expectations in this series? Yes. So, do you think they're done? I, I mean, I I think I think you're going to see a spirited effort. I do think this Toronto team's better than last year's. No question. And I think you've seen them learn a lot from their past postseason failures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have not won a, a playoff series in tw- almost 20 years in Toronto. How many elimination games have they had that they well, haven't tons. come through on? Now this is you know this is them having being able to eliminate somebody, right? So, look, I think it's gonna. I think, I think you're gonna see some nervousness on Toronto's side. I think whoever scores the first goal is gonna be critical, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that teams are gonna win. Um, you know, to be interesting, Michael Bunting's eligible to come back for Toronto, although. Sheldon Keefe has said he will come. He will play at some point, but not this game. Hmm. So they're going to keep Matthew Nyes in. Um, Chernak is not going to be in. John Cooper's already ruled him out. Yeah, that's disappointing. Uh, so you know, probably the same lineups for both teams. And you know, look, the Lightning did enough to win those games. You know, played well at least for most of the game. Played well enough, and, and you like a lot of what they did. So if they come out and do the same thing. You got to say, yeah, they got a shot to extend this. Florida just did that to Boston tonight. They were down three to one, playing in That's Boston, huge. and they won in overtime. Linus mm-hmm. Allmark a bad turnover in in, in overtime, and the Panthers uh, stave off elimination, go to Game Six. So yeah. the Lightning trying yeah, to they, do the same thing tonight. That's it, man. You, you just win one game, and, and and you know that's the only one you're playing, uh, and take it back home to Tampa and have a chance to force a Game Seven. That's sort of where they're at and like i said it just feels like they're not done i could be wrong as rain yeah. but um and did you hear on, did you hear andre vasileski's comments Mm-mm. so he he spoke with the media today and the last question uh was and i'll paraphrase it but something like you know what could you do better you know in, in game six or game five against toronto mm-hmm. paused for a little bit paused for a little bit and goes Get me a pair of effing x-ray glasses. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I was seeing through the screens and stuff. So he said, yeah, you know, no I, could, I could give me a pair of x-ray glasses. That's what I could do better. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. He's played well. They, they, There's a lot of guys that played well. They, I think they deserve a better fate. I don't get the overtime stat losing nine out of the last ten in the postseason. I, it, this just seems weird to me, but. I think one thing is 
Andre Vasilevsky still has the ability to take a game over, to steal a game, to be the reason why you win, uh, and and to stop virtually every shot, if not every shot. As long as he's in net, um, he gives them a chance. And in elimination games, look it up. He's been stellar. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is he didn't get off to a good start last year in the series against Toronto. Um, but boy, he buckled it down, as did the Lightning. And I think too, when you get your your back up against the wall like this, it only takes one or two guys. I mean, McDonough did this all the time. But and, and I talked to Ed, Eduardo and Cena about this the other day on the podcast. You see a guy go all out to block shots, then the next guy does it. Then the guy after that says, "Well, if they can do it, like you might see some some real urgency and some sacrifice here." On the on the defensive end, which mm-hmm. is where I think they've struggled, you know. Well, and I, I think the real part of the struggle is not so much the blocking shots because I think they've been. I think you see them do that frequently. They haven't been tying guys up. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't they haven't got taken away Matthew's stick when he's sitting in front of the goal or yeah, you know, that's right. or, or you know any of the, I mean, it, you know, last game what was too it, many three, guys standing in yeah, the crease. There by was the three world class tips last game. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Just standing there. Any goalie in the world could do about that. And don't you need to move those guys out? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what, that's what you need I'm to move them out. Either you got to move them out, or you got to tie up their stick to where they can't. True. Get their stick on it, and that's that's mm-hmm. where the Lightning haven't been a success. That's where you really miss Eric Chernak. True. That he's probably their best defenseman. I mean, Ian Cole too, but those two are probably the best at that on this team. You miss yeah. Ryan McDonough a lot, and that he was really good at that. Yeah. Um, but for this team, I mean, that's where you know missing Eric Chernak is hurt. Um, right. You know, and, and it's really tying up the guys and not letting them get their sticks in, in the, the shot. The tips, the yeah. Not letting them get mm-hmm. to that close in front of the net as well. Um, right. And that's where I think you, you've got to see them have a better effort for full 60 minutes this game. You know, that's where they kind of fell fell apart in the third period in game four and allowed right. three goals is, you know, they just they just weren't hard enough on bodies in front of their own net. Yeah. Well, uh, they've played right up until, you know, two overtime games where they had the lead late in the fourth period, one minute and one, blew a three-point goal lead uh, in in the final period the other night. So if they come out and play the same game and just find a way to finish, uh, they can make this series really interesting. And I think the pressure will then shift to Toronto because of the number of, of, of times they have been in this position and not finished the job. So it'll be an interesting game to see. We've got all of that to talk about for you. Uh, we'll talk about the Lightning in Toronto on tomorrow's podcast. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud, the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.